Hey, everybody. Welcome back to the Outcomes Rocket. Thank you so much for tuning in again. I'm super excited because today we have an incredible guest. He is the amazing Dr. Schwab. He's an internationally renowned spine surgeon specializing in complex spinal pathology, pediatric and adult spinal deformity, and revision reconstruction procedures. Dr. Schwab's areas of clinical focus include innovating patient-specific operative treatment, optimizing sagittal realignment guidelines, emphasizing the use of preoperative planning technologies and techniques for complex spine surgery. He is widely recognized as a leader in the field and has pioneered many aspects of spinal deformity care, especially for patients with extensive surgical histories. Dr. Schwab also developed the first definitive classification of adult spinal deformity that has become a clinical standard for spinal surgeons all over the world. He's a past board member at the Scoliosis Research Society and board member for the International Spine Study Group, an active member in the Academy of Orthopedic Surgeons and North American Spine Society. He's very well published with over 460 original and review articles and has had more than 500 presentations at scientific conferences. It is a true privilege to have him here with us today. So with that intro, Dr. Schwab, thank you for being with us. Thank you very much. I appreciate it. Absolutely. You've spent a lot of time, and in fact, a, a lifetime in the field, helping people get relief from pain. And so it's exciting to talk to you about patients suffering from chronic low back pain. Can you give us what that means from a perspective of a surgeon? Yeah, so great question. Uh, most uh, patients come to see us in our specialty for either pain, disability, or neurologic dysfunction. And often it's a combination of those factors. And uh, it, spine surgery is complex and low back pain is complex because there are so many structures involved. And uh, we have spent an enormous amount of time trying to dissect out how can we very accurately diagnose the source of pain how can we find the least invasive option to address that? And how can we ensure swift recovery from the procedures that we apply for our patients? So uh, it's been, as you point out, a, a lifetime of dealing with patients who, who struggle with pain, but it's been enormously rewarding. And particularly, I would say the last 10 years because of the incredible amount of innovation that's coming into treating uh, low back pain and treating spinal deformities. Yeah, thank you for that. And so... How does one go about accurately diagnosing the root cause of chronic low back pain? You know, this is this is one of those areas where there's still a lot of questions. Yeah, that's a that's so great point to bring up. As I pointed out, the the lumbar spine is enormously complex as a structure, and I often have patients coming to me saying, "Well, gee, I don't understand. Um, you know, I had a bad hip, and they replaced, and that was it." The spine, unfortunately, has lots of joints, discs, ligaments, muscles, and the potential that any dysfunction in any of those structures uh, can lead to pain. And so we have developed, obviously, over the decades, many imaging technologies that help us assess the anatomy uh, of the lumbar spine. And with that, try to find abnormal structures. And with that, a pain generator. It's just not that simple because particularly when patients age or we as human beings age, when we get an MRI or get an X-ray, lots of things start to look a little abnormal. And it so takes a fair amount of experience, a good history from the patient, a good physical exam, and then a process of elimination to get down to the source of pain. So it's pretty complicated. I think we're getting a lot better at it, but not very straightforward for sure. Yeah, it's, it's difficult. And, you know, we don't want to treat 
images. And so understanding the true cause of this pain is is kind of the goal. You know, I've heard a lot about the multifidus muscle. And, and so can you share more about this muscle and what the link between the muscle and chronic low back pain is? Yeah. So I think this is a, a, a really big deal and has, has really piqued my interest and drawn me to get involved with this technology. As surgeons, our toolkit has been pretty limited in the past until relatively recently. So either we went to decompress nerve structures or we went to fuse or stabilize the spine. So you either had to stiffen something up and stop motion, or you had to free up a compressed structure. And as we're heading into the era of less invasive uh, procedures and more innovation in preserving motion and physiology, we are drawing much more attention to the muscles, the ligaments, and some of the soft tissue structures around the spine. And what we've come to learn is that in chronic low back pain, there is a dysfunction in a, in a large group of patients that sets in where the muscle starts to lack the ability to respond to normal displacement and stabilization of the spine. So in a simple way, imagine it's a knee and you go out and you're playing a sport, or you're playing soccer and someone bangs into your leg. There is a process of arthrogenic inhibition, meaning when a joint gets a little injured, the muscle tends to shut down. And in fact, there are a number of studies that show the muscle can, can waste. It can actually reduce in size and not fire or function normal. And what we're coming to recognize is that the multifidus muscle is particularly sensitive, it appears, uh, to injuries and degeneration around the spine. And when that muscle starts to lose its ability to contract and stabilize the lumbar spine, then it appears a vicious cycle sets in where pain leads to limited activity, leads to inhibition of the muscle. And with that, you lose stabilization of the trunk. And with that, you develop ongoing pain. And the multifidus has emerged to be sort of one of these key muscles that plays a role in the stabilization and the muscular control of the trunk. So it's not a huge muscle. And it's not designed to do substantial displacements of the spine but it is there to offer a resting, stabilizing tone uh, so that the other muscles can fire appropriately. Hmm, that is super interesting. And so with this muscle, this multifidus, making sure that it's working well is key. And so you take a look at a patient, they come in to see you with chronic low back pain. They're not a surgical candidate. What are you able to currently do for them? Yeah, so an enormously frustrating population because uh, these are often younger and middle-aged patients who are in the workforce, uh, they have families, and they deal with pain every day. You know, the traditional approach is to start with physical therapy, some over-the-counter medications, some pain modalities, and then we we up that when it fails, and many of those patients ends up end up having injections. They see pain management or a physiatrist. They may try chiropractic care. They do a lot of additional modalities to try to strengthen their trunk. But it's really hard when they have a true dysfunction of the multifidus to target that muscle and rehabilitate it is very difficult. Yeah. And so there's this uh, thing called reactivate therapy. Can you talk to us about it? And how does this change what you as a spine surgeon are able to do? Yeah. So it's a fascinating new technology that's been developed to stimulate specifically the multifidus muscle 
and to let it fire more normally and get it back to a point where it provides that resting, stabilizing tone that the other muscles around the trunk can function normally. So the technology is a targeted pulse signal. There's a, uh, a small device that emits a signal to the nerve that innervates the multifidus muscle. And that permits with two sessions a day, very brief, half an hour, to intensely exercise and stimulate that muscle, if you will. And uh, with that, we've come to learn that it resets and recalibrates the ability of that muscle to function and fire normally again. And it's been a tremendous help for, for patients who have this chronic low back pain and are not surgical candidates and don't have other pathologies that we can treat, but really have a muscular dysfunction. So it is a, the reactivator in, in essence is an ability to stimulate the muscle to regain its stabilizing force in the lower back. And with that, address this chronic disabling back pain. That's super interesting. So in essence, and, and, and this is just me wanting to learn and folks, you're probably wondering the same thing. When the multifidus starts to weaken, then you, you get a bit of destabilization. The pain, does it come from the muscle? Does it come from a weakened muscle or where is it? Yeah, so, it's, so it's a good question. So uh, we don't believe it's the muscle itself, uh, but it is the, the joints and the structures around that area that without the function of the muscle to provide stability, uh -huh. there is subtle but excessive motion and if you will, a laxity that permits abnormal uh, degrees of motion. Very subtle, but enough to mm. be that sort of dull, aching, ongoing pain. Some of it is most likely the muscle, as you pointed, a fatigued muscle that's trying to fire, but can't quite um, maintain the appropriate amount of, of contractility. So I think it's a combination. Got it. Thanks for that clarification there. How many of you guys listening to this have back pain? I can imagine a lot of you do, including myself sometimes. I, you were, Dr. Schwab, you were talking about that middle-aged guy. I'm like, that's me. <laughs> <I'm> like, <laughs> thankfully it's not chronic so i'm just uh, you know feel like in a good place especially after losing eight pounds of my covid yeah. weight <laughs> well, well and you know we have to say in all of this when we're talking about this technology and we're talking about chronic low back pain patients these are not you or i that have occasional back pain these are patients who have had you know 50 sessions of physical therapy and five to ten years of pain and really slogging through it on a pretty much daily basis so very different from the occasional low back pain, which is exceedingly common. Just the way we're designed and the lifestyles that we have. Uh, so, so I just want to differentiate that this isn't uh, an approach for, for, for someone who has occasional back pain. Got it. Great distinction there. So whether it is you're feeling the back pain, it needs to be chronic and debilitating. And so whether it's you feeling it or somebody that you know feeling the pain, or maybe you're thinking about how to address your employees at your very large company or your health system. This is key to think about the growing opportunity for a therapy like this that is less invasive and an opportunity to address it in a more uh, long-term way. What would you say is the economic impact of being able to treat these patients who previously didn't have a long-term treatment option, Dr. Schwab? Yeah, so, so great point. I think uh, one other thing to call out that I think is important there are a number of technologies that are coming to the market that are there to either mask pain or, or cover up to a certain extent and are focused really on 
the perception of pain. You One example is, for instance, dorsal column stimulators or spinal cord stimulators, as they're often called. Uh, but this is very different. This is not a therapy that is directed at masking pain or treating the perception of pain. This is really to treat an underlying dysfunction in muscle. I think that's important that people don't think, well, gee, it looks like it's an electronic device and uh, it's got some wires and there's some stimulation. So very different from other technologies. And I think that's that's super important to call out. So the question that you brought up, I think, what what's the economic impact, right? And important to recognize that there is a societal impact of uh, patients uh, with lost days of work and uh, inability to work at, at a high level. The consumption of healthcare resources uh, for these patients who have now, as we've talked about pain for many, many years and are taking medication, many of them taking opioids and uh, requiring uh, injections and physical therapy. So substantial cost. And in these patients, it at best holds their pain at a certain level. What, uh, what this new therapy offers is the ability to discontinue strong medications. In fact, a substantial percentage of patients, about 70% of patients in, in one of the studies, reduced or altogether stopped opioid use, so really dramatic uh, reduction in, in opioid consumption, a reduction in physical therapy, a reduction in pain, increased uh, work days. So the economics are, are rather compelling when you can develop a therapy that doesn't just mask a symptom, but actually addresses the underlying dysfunction and gets these patients back to a normal level of function. And that's what's pretty dramatic. So I think when you're thinking about the economics, any therapy or intervention has an upfront ticket, if you will, a cost. Sure. But if you have durability in the relief of symptoms, and if you start eliminating things like opioids and missed days from work and injections, uh, physical therapy, over time with durability, it can become very cost-effective. And uh, some of the latest data, which is really exciting with Reactivate, has shown that patients respond in that sort of six to one month, uh, six month to one year mark, but there is continued improvement to two years and further improvement out to three years. So it really has durability. And I think that's the remarkable part of this. It's not a, it's not a Band-Aid. It's not a short-term fix. It's, uh, it, it's a long-term solution. That's, that's fascinating and a relief to, to hear that there's, there's an option that addresses the actual cause, doesn't mask it. What's a surprising lesson that's come out of your work in this therapy, Dr. Schwab? So I, I think what surprised me initially, because I'm kind of a distrustful guy when, when you're bombarded with all sorts of new technologies on a regular basis and was impressed with the response rate initially from patients of so some of the FDA trial work that was done. But what really surprised me was that patients not only got a little better, they got substantially better and over time showed increasing benefit. And a lot of therapies we apply, there's, there's sort of a near-term benefit and some of those benefits fall off over time. And here's a therapy that really stood out as showing durability, but but also ongoing further improvements in patient self-reported function. So pain, yes, but also function. We talked about that earlier on. I think that's a critical distinction. Yes, they feel better, but they also function better and they can get back to doing a lot of things that they couldn't do before. And I, and I think to me, that was probably one of the most surprising things. I'm a, I'm a spine surgeon, as you know, and, and over the years, I've become more specialized. And as you get more senior, you tend to get 
more and more complex cases and revision cases. And there was always this one tool missing where we don't want to fuse the patient. We don't want to disrupt normal anatomy. Uh, we don't need to decompress something. But gee, if we could find a way to just get that spine to function better and get those muscles to fire better. And, and here's kind of this aha moment, like, wow, looks like we found that therapy. So that's been the most surprising, that it's a therapy that really rehabilitates the muscle and has durability and, in fact, increasing effectiveness over time. That's fascinating. Yeah. And, you know, a question that just occurred to me is, you know, so let's just say you have a, a patient that's been previously operated and they start experiencing that, you know, adjacent level pain. Is this something that could help with that? That's a great question. So I think at this point, the regulatory landscape is such that it's really for a very specific, indicated for a very specific um, group of patients. But I, I share your curiosity. And then I do believe that there is going to be an opportunity to apply this technology to other patients, whether it is uh, patients who've had previous fusions, previous laminectomies, and, mm -hmm. and now have a dysfunction uh, in a muscular sense and pain, or together with, synergistically with um, other procedures where you may say, well, yeah, I have to stabilize one segment of the spine that's unstable, but want to limit the intervention. Uh, maybe we can combine a partial stabilization or decompression with this technology that also enhances muscular control and with that a function for the patient. So I, I think there are a lot of exciting things coming towards us. I think at this point, there's a very narrow indication, but over time, we'll learn a lot more about, about the technology. That's fantastic. Thank you for that. Yeah, you know, and, and when you get a technology like this that addresses the problem, it's awesome when you don't have to chase symptoms, you get to the cause, it's exciting. And the question that has to be asked is cost, right? So, so what's the difference in cost to address chronic low back pain with traditional methods versus this method? Yeah, the, so cost analyses are complicated, right? I think you need to think of what is the immediate near-term cost, what is the intermediate-term cost, and what is the long-term cost. And if we look at calculations of incremental cost effectiveness or comparative cost effectiveness, I think it's really important, particularly for this population that's a, a chronic low-back population, to say, well, what are the last 10 years of care? What have they cost? What do we project that uh, current therapies will continue to cost over the coming years? And then what is the near-term cost of this technology? But if it has the durability, then what is its cost effectiveness over, let's say, a three-year period or five-year period? And I think a lot of those analyses are still ongoing. Uh, I don't think we have a definitive answer where the, the break-even point comes. But based on the effectiveness that I've seen and the dramatic improvement in patients, I would venture to say there will be some mark, whether it's a year out or two or three years out, where we say, wow, now, now this is really compared to traditional care uh, or current care, this is absolutely cost effective. And if it has that durability that we're seeing, it will continue to, to show uh, a dramatic economic benefit over the long term. Thank you. Yeah, it'll, it'll be a conclusion that, that uh, we look forward to learning more about and, and maybe a year from now or two years from now, we'll be able to, to explore that topic. Dr. Schwab, this has been fun. Thank you. You're obviously a, a legend in the space. So appreciate you coming on to talk about this. And for the, those of you guys that don't know, you know, in the spine world, Dr. Schwab's a, a pretty, he's like a rock star. 
<laughs> so wow. it's great to you're making me feel well, really good that, today. <laughs> <laughs> it's great to have him here. Um, at, at, so what call to action would you leave our listeners with, and and what's the best place for them to follow your work and learn more about you? Uh, so I think a couple of things. Um, one, Northwell, I think, um, has a real innovative approach to low back pain care and spine care overall. As you know, we're a, a, a substantial healthcare system uh, in the Northeast. So lots of great information about Northwell and about our uh, orthopedic and spine care program uh, that people can follow. I think regarding this technology, there's a lot of information that is, uh, is going to be coming out some of it through traditional channels, through education and training, some of them at the larger conferences, and certain a lot of it uh, online. So there's lots of ways to learn more about this and to kind of follow, follow the story. And it's an exciting one. So I encourage everyone to keep your ears open. Love it. Appreciate that, folks. Make sure you check out the show notes on today's episode with Dr. Schwab. We'll link you up to all the great things that we chatted about today, as well as resources and links to continue your learning on this topic. Dr. Schwab, thanks again. Thank you very much. Have a great day.